Okay, I want to begin this morning. GQ magazine uh, last June put out reasons for a man to cry in public, acceptable reasons. And I'm just going to share with you a couple. Now, by, keep in mind, a woman wrote this. That's very important. She said, it's okay for a man to cry in public if he's in extreme pain. Extreme pain is described by her, say a piano falls out of a 50-story window on your foot, uh, that would be a reason for a man to cry in public. It's okay for a man to cry at certain movies. For instance, if you saw Toy Story 3, uh, it was okay to cry. I would say Old Yeller, too. How many of you saw Old Yeller? The most brutal ever. When the dogs die, I mean, horrible. It was just terrible. I cried at Hope Floats. You know why I cried at Hope Floats? Because I was at Hope Floats. That's why I cried at Hope Floats. And I cried throughout the movie because I was being brutalized by the movie. The only time I laughed is when the mother died. And because I knew the movie was fixing to be over, and it's fiction, by the way. And, and I never saw that girl that I went out with that night ever. I've never seen her since then. But she picked the movie, so God knew we were incompatible. Uh, <clears throat> never me and the, here's the last one. Never cry when you're arguing with a woman. The woman says that is for us to be able to do, not you. So you can't cry during an argument. Pretty good stuff. We're in Genesis chapter 2 and 3 this morning. And what I want to do today is I want to challenge you dads and you moms and everybody else. I want to challenge you to step up your game. I want, you to, I want to challenge you to leave here this morning deciding to be a different and a better person. And, and, and the great news is the choice is, is with you. Genesis 2 and 3. Let's begin with this. Dad, what do you need to do? What do I need to do? What do all of us need to do? Number one, we need to really listen to God. We need to really listen to God. Now, you're in church this morning. That's awesome. You are, you're putting yourself in a position to hear God if you want to. In verses 15 and, through 17 in chapter 2, it says, The Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden, the Garden of Eden, to work it and to keep it. Now, we don't really know where the Garden of Eden is, probably for a good reason. The Bible says that uh, an angel, angels were put there with swords uh, to kill anybody that was trying to get in it. We know it's near the Tigris and Euphrates River, but besides that, we don't really know. But that's secondary. Verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. The woman had not been created yet. That's all this is important. In fact, one of the things I learned in seminary after years of study was this is the only time in the history of mankind when the man had the remote completely to himself. There was no women or kids. He had it completely to himself. Serious note. Okay, so God says all the trees you can eat of. You can eat of all the trees except one. And that, that's, that's how God is. God is so gracious and generous. And all we look at as the, is how, what he prohibits us from doing and knowing that that's really a blessing. And God says if you eat from this, if you choose to eat from it, you're going to die. Now, what did death mean? It was two things. It was going to be physical death. It was spiritual death. By, by eating from this, you were going to separate yourself from God. You were going to create a, a tremendous mess for everybody that was going to come after you. Know, well, folks, here's my contention. Adam heard God, but I don't think he listened well. And I think I can prove that before we leave. 
I want to ask you this morning, are you, are you really hearing God in your life? You really, are you really listening to God in your life? Last year in Britain, they took people 22 to 34, and they asked them, how much television do you watch a day? Now, always remember this. People overestimate or underestimate themselves in these kind of surveys. They said, oh, we watch 10 or 15 hours a week. So here's what they said. Go home, keep a diary, a journal, be exact for a month. How much TV do you watch in a week? And it came back, it was about 30 hours a week. That's a lot of TV. You know, obviously there's good stuff on TV and there's a lot of not so good stuff on TV. Did you know in America, the average American, the average American is on some type of, uh, of electronic digital media five and a half hours a day? Whether that's a cell phone, whether that is your computer, whether that's your iPad. Now, this would be an interesting study for you to do, but they say... We check our cell phones 221 times a day. Is that not incredible? Now, I, I like my iPad. I like my computer. I like my cell phone. But my point is, is I think we're hearing a whole lot more than we're hearing God, aren't we? Man, how do you hear God? How do you hear God? What you're doing this morning, man, you come to church. Did, did you know if you read the Bible and you really listen to what the Bible says, church is not an optional part of the gig it is a requirement. Do you know that? It's optional in modern Christianity today. It's not in the Bible. Get in a small group, a discipleship class where you can discuss things and talk about things in more depth. Read. This is a novel idea. Read your Bible. You know, the cool thing about digital media is you can have your Bible on every bit of your, your phone, your, your iPad, your laptop. It, it's great. But you and I need to hear what God says. Listen, Dad, you cannot be the man that God's calling you to be, being the dad's calling you to be, if you're not listening to God. You cannot be. And, and you, you're not going to be able to plead someday, especially those of us in Ruston, Louisiana, in America. We're not going to be able to plead ignorance. I didn't know. We're not going to be able to plead, well, I, I'm just too busy. We're not going to be able to, to it's not going to be acceptable to God that we just disregarded his word. And the best way you know you're listening to God is James 1.22. Look what James 1.22 says. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Listen, you want to be a great dad, a great mom, a great person? It begins by listening to God. Number two, pour God into those who are in your sphere of influence. Pour God into the people's lives that you are influencing. Train them. Disciple them. Dad, what, what are you teaching your children? Mom, if you're a single mom or, or if your husband is a spiritual sissy, Mama, what are you teaching your children? Esquire magazine, two years ago, had a list of 25 skills every man should know. Number one, how to skin a moose. How many of you think in Louisiana that's not completely necessary? Skin a possum? Yes. A moose? No. How to buy a woman's clothes. How to buy your woman clothes. Esquire said the first step is just don't do it. Let me give you some advice. Young guys, listen. Zach, y'all take notes on this. Okay, write this down. Always buy small. Amen? 
You go to buy your girlfriend or your wife clothes, buy small. She gets it and she goes, it doesn't fit. It's too small. You go, man, I thought it would fit, right? You are a nut. You go buy four X's and go, well, I just wanted to make sure it fit. You are, you are insane. I have touched the stove. It is hot. Don't do that. <laughs> buy small. Let them take it back. Buy small. Amen. How to carve a turkey. At my house on Thanksgiving, we just get that thing out and start chopping. We don't worry about carving. We're going to eat it. Number 10 was how to console a crying woman. I agree. Pat her on the head and ask her, would you feel better if you cooked me something? No, I'm just teasing. Uh, Okay. Those, (laughs) those Those aren't bad skills. Those aren't bad skills to teach your kids. Teach your kids how to hit a ball. Teach them, teach them how to run and to catch and, 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 and teach them how to do, to do algebra. Teach them how to be a good student. What good is that going to do them in hell 200 years from now if you've neglected Christ? I built my whole life on being an athlete. And by the time I was 19, I was done. Think about that. Some of you may play for till you're 40, but you'll be extremely rare. And I'm not talking about playing in church league softball and counting that as you're a major leaguer. Pour Jesus into your kids. Dad, come on. Mom, come on. Charles Swindoll said this. This is such a great quote. We should indoctrinate our kids in Jesus. The world's indoctrinating them and everything else. Fight back. You bring your kid to church. You pray with them. I don't know how to pray. Call me this week. Buy my lunch. I will teach you how to pray with your kid. Read your Bible with them. I don't know how to do that. Start in John and read 10 verses a night. Pour Jesus into your kids, into your family. See, in verse 17, it says this. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day you eat, you shall surely die. I don't think Adam communicated that well. We're going to start in chapter 3. One scholar says chapter 3 is the pivot of the whole Bible. And that's the truth. Chapters 1 and 2 are just awesome. Everything's wonderful. And then chapter 3, the, re- the, the next 65 books are affected by what happens in chapter 3. Now in verse 1, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, do you notice we've got a speaking snake here. Isn't that weird? And Adam and Eve were not drinking. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? See, here's Satan's a liar. You notice that? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you will die. Now, what, what, what's going on with the serpent? The serpent. Well, you've got to really understand the rest of the Bible. And the, and the Bible tells us either Satan came in the form of a serpent or he was possessing or certainly influencing him. And Revelation 12, 9, way over in the back of the Bible, it says, and the great dragon, that's the devil, was thrown down that, listen, that ancient what? Serpent who is called the devil. And Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to earth. So, 
the, the snake, now this is what's cool. This is in the Garden of Eden before sin, which is probably the, the best picture we would have of heaven is the Garden of Eden. And animals were talking. Isn't that cool? Folks, animals are going to be in heaven. The Bible talks about animals being in heaven. And when the Bible talks about the lion and the lamb playing together and the little child playing near the snake's hole, if the snake's going to be in heaven, my dogs are going to be in heaven. And isn't it cool? They, they may be able to talk to us. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like your dog, you get to heaven and your, your, you know, the dogs that have gone on are waiting on you. And, and you get there and they're like, hey, what's up? Isn't that going to be cool? And they may drive us crazy, uh, but it, that will be, I mean, just awesome. And the serpent apparently at this point had arms and legs. But he's being used by Satan. And folks, Satan is always trying to ruin, to twist, to deceive. And most of you, Satan's not going to get you today to, to go and to rob a bank and to kill 15 people and to, to go and leave your spouse and go and have 15 affairs. What he's going to try to do is he's going to try to inch you away from God like this. See, he, what, what he said to Eve is, hey, wait a second, he didn't say that, did he? I mean, surely you won't die. I mean, that, that can't completely be right. And see, he inches us away until we wake up one day, and then we're way out of pocket. And see, that, that's exactly what he tries to do. And so that's why it's so important that I don't think Adam did a good enough job of discipling Eve, of pouring God into her, pour God into those people your sphere of influence. Indoctrinate them in Jesus Christ. Here's the third thing. And man, we need to hear this today. Stand up for what's right. Stand up for what is right. Hey, Dad. Stand up for what's right. Mama, stand up for what's right. Let me give you three thoughts on this. Number one, stand up for the truth. Stand up for the truth. In verse 4 through 6, the serpent said to the woman, you're not going to die. God knows that when you eat, your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes that the tree was to be desired and make one wise. She took of its fruit. She ate it, and she gave some to her husband, who was a sissy, and he ate it too. See, here's what Adam should have done. Adam should have screamed at the top of his lungs. Snake, you're lying. Eve, don't eat that. This is wrong. And by the way, 1 Corinthians 16, 14, if you're taking notes, says do everything in love. So you stand up for truth, not with a baseball bat in your hand, but with compassion in your heart. What Adam needed to do was to say this is wrong. Man, this takes guts, though, doesn't it? Oh, John Wayne was a great actor. Many of you remember him. John Wayne used to say, what is courage? Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. Isn't that good? See, courage isn't a lack of fear. Courage is being afraid and doing it anyway. A a, a hero and a coward are both scared. The only difference is, is the hero says, I'm going to do it anyway. We need heroes today. Your kids need heroes. Your family needs a hero. And heroes are people who are willing to stand up for the truth. Here's the next thing. Tell people the truth even when it hurts. Tell people the truth even when it hurts. Man, we don't like to do this anymore. 
Verse 6 again. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, the tree was to be desired to make one wise. All these self-centered benefits. She took some and she ate of it. Man, what if Adam would have just said, Eve, stop it. This is wrong. I've been married long enough to know it takes a real man to correct his wife. Some of you ladies, you need to buck up to your husband and say, stop that. It's wrong. It's just wrong. We don't want to do that anymore, do we? We don't want to, again, do everything in love, 1 Corinthians 16, 14. See, we're told in our society today that I not only have to say what you're doing is okay, I've got to love what you're doing or I'm a bigot, racist, and a weirdo. I'm not going to do that. Jesus doesn't do that. Everybody in here knows who Billy Ray Cyrus and Miley Cyrus are. What you may not know is about 10 years ago, they were active church people. I remember Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana. I remember her sharing her favorite Bible verses. Any of y'all remember that? Billy Ray said she started to get famous, and I wanted to be her friend. And everybody kept telling me when I had a young teenage daughter, You be the parent. Don't try to be the cool parent. Don't try to be the friend. Be the parent. But I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't listen. And he said, and I woke up one day, and she was so far, things were so far out of hand, there wasn't any bringing it back. He said, how I wish I would have stood up and said, Molly, that's enough. You're not doing that anymore. We're not going to do that anymore. Stop it. It's wrong. Dads, your, your kids, mom, your kids, they don't need you to be cool. They, they don't need you to be their buddy. They need you to be their leader, their loving parent leader. And if you've got a 40-year-old kid, be their friend at that point, but lead them. Be willing to stand up and say, this is not correct, this is wrong. What if Adam would have done that? Man, how things might have been difference. John Stott was a, a preacher and a writer, a well-known Christian leader. And he died in 2011. Here's the last thing he said to his attendant. He said, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Do the hard right. When it comes to life and you have to make a choice between an easy wrong or a hard right, you do the hard right. I want to challenge you. Be willing to tell people the truth even when it hurts. And number three, you say no yourself. You see, the bottom line is it says at the end of this, Adam ate it too. Adam could have said rightly, well, the snake pushed me. My wife pushed me. But the truth is he could have said no. I don't know what would have happened theologically if Eve would have eaten it and Adam would have said no. Maybe God would have kicked her out of the garden and given him a new woman. I don't know. We'll never know. Because he didn't do it. Norman Schwarzkopf was a great leader, great general in the first Gulf War. And he listed a, a, a guideline of leadership. One of the top things he said is leaders are people who do what's right. They say no when they need to say no. They say yes when they need to say yes. Leaders are people who do what's right. 
Dad, I want to challenge you. Mom, to challenge you, all of us. Be willing to stand up for the truth. Be willing to say no when you know something's wrong. And lastly, I want to challenge you, take responsibility. Man, take responsibility. Just like when I blame Clayton for us not giving mother's gifts at Mother's Day, take responsibility. I won't read verse 6 again, but everybody in the story blew it. Everybody in the story's guilty. Verse 7 through 14, the eyes of both were open. They knew that they were naked. little boy in Sunday school was asked one time, in the Garden of Eden, they were naked and it didn't bother them. Why is that so? You don't ask little kids that anyway. And the little boy, without hesitation, said, because there wasn't any mirrors in the garden. So... Probably true. They sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of God walking in the garden. In the cool of the day, God always comes through the garden, by the way. And for the first time ever, they hid themselves from God's presence. Verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat. Verse 12, the man said, The woman you gave to me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What have you done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate it. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you're cursed. You're going to, above all livestock and all beasts of the field, on your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of the life of your life. Someone said, Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the snake, and at this point, the snake did not have a leg to stand on. (laughs) Back in verse 12, the woman you gave me. Do Do you understand what happened here? Adam is blaming God indirectly. Yeah, God, I did it, but it's the chick's fault. And by the way, God, you and me were rocking the garden until you made her. You made her, God. You gave her to me. Let me pause and say this. Any dumb, sinful, wrong thing I've ever done or you've ever done, it is not God's fault. Dad, it starts with you. Take responsibility. Winston Churchill, great World War II leader, said the price of greatness is responsibility. Great people, great dads, great moms, great young people are the ones that don't make excuses and blame everybody else. They take responsibility. Harry Truman, the 33rd president of our country, on his desk, it says the buck stops here. What disgusts me about our modern day politicians is it's never their fault. Have you noticed that? If you're a Republican, it's the Democrats' fault. If you're a Democrat, it's the Republicans' fault. And probably all of them in there and they sit around their offices, blame us. Real men take responsibility. Real women take responsibility. You can't be who God calls you to be until you're willing to look yourself in the eye and take responsibility. Take responsibility for your past. Own it. Confess it to God. Deal with it. Get his forgiveness. Quit blaming other people. 
at your future, if your future is going to be what God wants it to be, you've got to say, hey, I'm going to own it. I'm going to follow God, and I know with his help, I'm going to be responsible, but I'm not going to spend the rest of my life blaming other people. Dads, man, it's needed. Take responsibility. In the year 404 A.D., about 400 years after Christ's birth, the Roman Colosseum was in full swing in its gladiator games. This is like UFC or professional boxing, except the only difference is, is they killed the, the loser. Chris, at times, Christians or slaves or prisoners were brought in and would have to fight to the death or they would have them fight wild animals. I mean, it was just unbelievably barbaric. In the year 404, a, a Syrian monk named Telechemus was at the Roman Colosseum. I don't know if it was his first time. I don't know if it was his tenth time. But as he sat there that day as a Christian and he watched people being slaughtered and he knew enough about God and he listened to God enough in his life he knew it was wrong. He jumped out into the Colosseum floor. He apparently got close enough to the emperor, whoever was in charge, and he began to scream and said, this is wrong, this is wrong, this has to stop. They sent Roman soldiers down there, and they ran a sword through him and killed him right there. But here's what happened. He got people's attention. They said over the next few months, the attendance at the games began to fall off. Within a year or two, the Roman gladiator barbaric games no longer existed. And it almost certainly is traced to an, uh, basically an unknown Christian who knew by God's standards that this was wrong. Who wanted to influence those that he could. Who had the guts to stand up for what's right and to say, if somebody's going to be responsible, it's going to be me. Wow, what a hero. And that's what God wants from you and me. Let's pray. Christian, I, I hope you're chewing on what God has shown us this morning. I hope that God's working in your heart, and you'll be ready to make some decisions in a moment. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you're ready today to give your life to Christ. Would you pray with me? Would you pray with me where you are and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. Jesus, I accept that you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I, I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. And I want to challenge you to respond. Maybe you just ask Christ into your life or you're ready to do that. When we stand, would you come this morning? Would you come today and give your life to Christ? Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church. You can do it after church or you can come. 
you can come and join us. We'd love for you to. Christian, we'll start with you dads. Man, maybe today is the day that you need to wake up, get up, and start pressing forward. Dad, won't you lead the way this morning? Won't you bring your wife and your kids, or mom, if it's just you, you come, or our young people, you come. Come pray with the minister, pray at the altar, but say to God, God, with your help today, moving forward, my life's going to be different. Let's stay.